Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we are coming to you live from the RVN Television Studios. Today, I am pleased to welcome Chris O'Brien, who is the founder of O'Brien CFO Consulting. Chris, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I want to talk to you about a very important topic when your your organization is called CFO Consulting. The role of the CFO is so important inside an organization, and when companies are in the nascent stages, they don't necessarily have access to a full-time CFO. So that's a role that you help to fill, right? Yes. Ultimately, at O'Brien CFO Consulting, what we do is we provide fractional CFO and strategic advisory services to primarily startups, but also small businesses and not-for-profit organizations. So where my firm lives, is in one of two places. The pre-institutional funding uh, stage of a startup and a post-institutional funding. So really that's before and after a Series A. And of course the needs are very different between the two, but high level, pre-Series A, there are a couple needs um, that, that need to be done. I'll come in, I'll do a corporate audit, your bylaws in check, or your operating agreement, depending on the structure. Make sure that you filed with the Department of State, you've got the uh, FEIN number. If you're running payroll, are you paying your payroll taxes? You're doing things the right way. Um, because ultimately, uh, a lot of these founders want to go raise institutional funding, and you, don't want, you want to make sure there are no skeletons in the closet. Then you have the cash management side. Do they have a bookkeeping system? Let's make sure that we get these things set up. They're in a position to successfully run their business. Um, and uh, you know, you, you, you kind of tick and tie and put together a, a framework so that founder and that team can be successful. Then you raise money. Um, uh, I guess the one piece I would add before the Series A is one of the most common asks of me is, can you help me build a pro forma and prepare for due diligence? Mm. Um, they're, they're, they're not... Uh, thinking about this, a CEO's job early on, a founder's job early on is very kind of what I consider three-tracked. You're building a team, you're building a product, and you're selling a product. Um, you're trying to make sure and you're going to prove out this market. And uh, so when I come in, if they're in a position where uh, they want to move towards raising capital uh, immediately, and that's why I'm called in, or it kind of progresses that way, my job is to help make sure that they're structured. We build that three to five year forecast, we make sure their pro forma is in place, what metrics can we you know, demo to the investors to show that this is a viable business. Then you have the post-Series A, which a little more complicated, but really then it's about infrastructure. Let's make sure you've got the accounting framework, the bookkeeping framework set up. Let's build out a, a, an HR infrastructure. Let's make sure that uh, all the receipts uh, and invoices that are going in and out within a FinOps department are streamlined, um, doing all of these things. And then of course, you have the financial reporting, the investor reporting. These are all things that my firm can kind of bring to the table, whether it's through my partnerships with my CPA and my, my uh, legal, or I call it my legal partner, um, or me directly and my team. So that's really where we live and what we like to do. A lot to unpack there. I tried to scribble here. Um, so let me, let me attack it from the top, if you don't mind. Sure. And, and I want to start at the high level about the importance of good financial statements. So um, I was at an event yesterday, watched a good panel conversation about exit readiness. And one of the interesting topics that came up was when you're talking about small businesses, a lot of times they're run to manage uh, the, the tax implications, right? So we're going to try and show no profit. Uh, so we don't pay any taxes, but if you're showing no profit, it kind of makes it a tough story when you go to sell. Then you're starting to talk about normalizing adjustments and getting through due diligence. But at a high level, tell the audience why good, clean financial statements matter from day one. 
Well, I'll unpack this in two ways. Um, first, as I'm sure majority of your viewers already know, the difference between a P&L and a cash flow is, is crucial. You've got the receipts that are coming in, the, the flow of money in and out of the business. That's one thing they need to have a handle on. As a CFO, your job is to ultimately manage cash. So you need to make sure that you, the CEO and you have a good understanding of the runway and how these things tie together. Then you have the profit and loss statement, which is the income. You might not have received these receipts. It's all outstanding receivables. It doesn't matter if you've earned money, you signed a deal and you're delivering a service, then you recognize that revenue. So, you know, really understanding the difference between these two things are, are, are incredibly important when it comes to, you know, the longevity of your business. But what you're talking about here um, is really important because uh, I've worked with a couple startups uh, in my life where, you know, those first few years, it's all about what you're talking about. It's how can we defer those taxes? What R&D credits can we go after? How do we maximize all of these, uh, you know, what's available to us so that we can position ourselves so that when we finally become profitable, we can kind of roll over all those tax incentives. You know, you kind of cap up on those credits. Um, and and it's, it's really having, you know, what I like to say to a lot of these founders um, is make sure that uh, you know, whether it's in-house or it's through me, you've got a good relationship to your controller because the controller is really going to help you understand kind of how all this times together. Because what you said is important in that if you're going to raise money or you're, you know, you're, you're working for growth capital, seed capital, or you're approaching an exit, um, it's really important for whoever's buying to look at what does your cash flow, what does your operating capital look like. And the revenue that you're bringing in and the receipts, it comes into play. But Listen, we live in a world now where technology is heavily invested up front. It's changing every day. So people are putting millions and millions of dollars uh, into building the infrastructure and the product that it is that you're selling. So it's very common for your revenue to take many, many years to catch up to those expenses. So a lot of times it's not even strategic. It just kind of plays out that way that you're able to roll over those tax credits year over year. But knowing that determination is really, really important. So you bring up a good point. Yeah, when you're working with the, your your startups, your founders, the, the smaller privately held companies, do you find that the business owners are you know, really good at what they do, but not necessarily familiar with the, the financial metrics? A hundred percent, absolutely. So, yeah, and that's what I find. I was sort of leading the witness, if you know what I gotcha, mean, gotcha. because I, I live that every day oh, as sure. well. And I, I want you to talk to the audience a little bit about the, the key performance metrics that business owners should be focusing on. They hear a lot of terminology. Um, but I'm going to let you respond to that. So no matter the stage of a business, cash is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So having a good handle on your operating capital, your networking capital, but of course, you know, your runway. A, a founder needs to understand at all times, whether it's a CEO of a large company or a CEO and a founder of a small company, you need to know what your burn is and you need to know how that impacts your runway. Um, now, my job, whether I come in as a fractional capacity or as a strategic advisor as they scale, of course, that's one of the roles that I'm going to help uh, really manage the cash and understand what cash is supposed to look like today, tomorrow, and in the future. But to your point, founders typically you know, fall in what I call into three categories. You have the sharks, the people that can sell you know, uh, anything to anybody. They can 
build a team like it's nobody's business, get people bought into what it is that they're doing. You have the product experts, the technical geniuses that are inventing these incredible things that are changing the world, but maybe they don't have the personality to run a team. Maybe they don't have the understanding of, of, of how to manage a checkbook. Uh, and then you have you know the third founder who's more of what I call the... Uh, um, uh, the, the, the salesman. He's, he's very personable. He knows what people he needs to get in the room. He can, he can raise money like nobody's business. Um, he's, he's very, uh, he, he could be uh, marketing focused. He could be design focused. Like a, uh, so, so there are all these different things, but really not many that I see, to your point, have a handle. On, on how the money works or, or what it is and why they need to manage cash in this way, why they need to understand their financial statements. So I like to boil it down um, pretty simply. I wanna make sure that every Friday when I meet with my founders, you know, they know what's, what, what's their trending EBITDA. What does your burn look like? What does your runway look like? And then it's my job to make sure that on the FP&A side, we're tracking the, the, uh, the profitability metrics, the performance metrics, building out those operational KPIs so that I can help guide him so he's focused or she's focused on what they're building and the team they're running while I can help advise and, and pave the way to profitability. Yeah, and a lot of terminology in there. So I want to ask you just to help uh, it clarify some of the things for some of the folks who are watching and listening who may not be familiar with the terminology about burn rate and runway. Sure. If you don't mind. Sure. Well, a runway is just uh, you're spending money every month and hopefully you're also earning money every month. But as we spoke about before, there's a difference between recognizing revenue, selling a service, and actually you know, uh, the inflow of those receipts. So runway is simply the difference between your inflow and outflow divided into how much cash you have into the bank. So yeah. how many months do you have to survive? Exactly. And, and, and your burn, although there's a gross and a net, the gross is what, is, you know, what are you spending every single month, um, generally speaking, that has nothing to do with the receipts coming in. And then a net burn is really what is that number? If you are earning 100000 a month, but you're spending 200000 a month, well, you've got a negative burn and you need to know Divided into how much you got in the bank, and that's how long you're going to live until you go raise money or you raise debt, et cetera. Yeah, you've either, either got to really get a hold on expenses if it's an R&D endeavor, or like you said, you've got to raise some capital. Absolutely. When you reach the end of that runway, you want to make sure that you're approaching a liftoff scenario for sure. Um, you, you mentioned the, the letters FP&A, which stands for Financial Planning and Analysis. Explain to the audience why FP&A is so important, especially when you think about it in, in terms of these smaller businesses, a lot of times you hear about FP&A and you see it at, in you know, SEC filings for the larger companies. Talk about the role of FP&A in the smaller ones. FP&A allows a founder and a management team to really understand how all the functions of the business come together and how they, uh, it helps them understand what levers to pull to work towards that profitability. So if you know, or, or I'll back up a second, to me, one of the most important jobs of a CFO, in my experience, is well-rounded cash management, which I include as part of FP&A. So what does that really mean? Well, as I noted before, my job is to manage cash. Well, here's the thing. If you're a CFO and you come in and you get you know, a used financial statement and you get access to the bank account, but you don't know how operations is spending money. You don't know the rate at which the sales team is bringing in deals. You don't know how the marketing team is using their budget to generate new leads. You don't know how all these functions come together. Well, the problem with that 
is you don't really have a grasp then on the business model, how it all impacts revenue, and how all of these functions tie together to generate a profit for that business. So what FP&A allows you to do is it helps assign quantitative values to all of these things. You're, if you don't understand how if this let's say function breaks or there's a point of failure and the COO leaves. If you don't have a structure in place to help measure the performance of these teams and how you know one of these people leaving or maybe the product launch didn't go as, as successfully as you wanted and you don't have some form of a, of a backup plan or the runway to sustain that business, FP&A helps you understand how all of these things come together because if one of these things breaks, you need to know the cash impact of that. On top of that, you have the reporting side, which is crucial, especially if you're going to raise money, especially if you're working towards growth capital. Hell, you want to go to a bank and you want to raise debt. This is important. Investors live and die by KPIs in these metrics. They've heard thousands of pitches a week, and they want to know, okay, well, what separates your business? If you can show them very clearly, hey, you know, this, this is our EBITDA month over month. You know, this is what our cash flow looks like. Um, you know, th this, is, uh, this is what our gross margin looks like. Um, you know, the, 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 these things, these metrics, you can pull thousands of them out of a hat depending on the business, the need, the product that you're selling. But if you can't display to them and show them in numbers why it is your business is effective or more effective than others in your market, you're never going to get that investment. And the CEO and leadership, they're never going to know what levers to pull to be able to drive the performance of that business. Yep. Chris, before we have to take a quick commercial break, why don't you tell the audience how they can reach out to you if they want to learn more about you or connect with you? Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is the easiest place to go. So that's Chris O'Brien with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N. Um, and you can find me and my consultancy there. Great. Don't go anywhere, Chris. You watching and listening, don't go anywhere either. We will be right back after this quick commercial break. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when FastSigns recommended fleet graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at FastSigns.com. Hi, I'm Angela Pipersberg, and I have a new show here in RVN Television called The Angela Pipersberg Show. And I want you to join me every week as I sit with guests and we discuss their life journeys, share wisdom, and tips that will inspire you to live your best life. Don't miss The Angela Pipersberg Show every week here on RVN Television, where we're celebrating life and we're inspiring you to greatness. Hi, I'm Dr. Esther Malave, and welcome to my show, Achieving a Better You. Through this show, we're going to explore ways to make a better version of you. For example, nutrition, finance, fitness, health. Remember that there's always a way of making a better version of yourself, no matter what the circumstances are. And remember to look for Achieving a Better You show on RVN TV. Some say the world has never been more divided, more self-centered, more uncaring, And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. Today we're talking about the importance of having a CFO. Uh, and today I've got an outsourced CFO and founder of uh, O'Brien CFO Consulting, Chris O'Brien. 
Chris, a lot of good stuff in that first segment, and I want to continue on here by picking up on something that you alluded to in that first segment, which was helping companies put together pro forma financials. So in my world as a valuation specialist, one of the things I ask my clients for is a forecast because valuation is a forward-looking exercise. So we need to understand what does the business look like going forward. Uh, investors want to know, buyers want to know. Um, and more often than not, on the lower middle market size businesses, they haven't even thought about putting together a forecast. Mm -hmm. So um, I tried, in the form of a public service announcement, I wrote an article about why you need to do this and here's how you might want to do it. But talk a little bit to the audience about why it is so important to have some kind of a forward-looking planning document to navigate the business. It's a great question. Um, and you're spot on that you know companies uh, in the early half of their life cycle are not thinking about these things. So it's important for a couple reasons, and, and, and I'll get into that. So two things. You already mentioned the, the investor piece. If your plan is to, you know, let's say you've hit that inflection point, you hit that sales goal, you, you brought in a couple cool, uh, key tenured uh, management professionals to help run your company. Well, now it's time to raise money because you need to pay them. Uh, you want to scale. You want to bring in the team to maximize uh, the revenue that you're bringing in to get to that next inflection point. It's all really, really exciting. But like we mentioned before, you have to be able to tell that story in the form of a financial model. And I'll explain why. When you are at a seed stage company, a bridge round, a series A, investors are ultimately investing in the founder. That's true. We know that you know, he, he or she is, is leading that company into the future. It's all coming from within their head. Um, but investors still need to see, okay, well, I get it. You've got this incredible pitch. You've got this great team. It all looks really good on paper. But here's what I don't understand. Right away, you sent me a bunch of financial statements, and I can see that you've got, wow, you might have had $500,000 in revenue in your second year. That's not too bad. Well, your cash flow, you've only got $175,000 in the bank, and you're coming to me hat in hand, and, and I need to know what, what happened here. What are we looking at? So my job, as, as whether I'm coming in in a fractional capacity or I'm working full-time as a CEO, it's to help build that pro forma model. And what you're really doing is a couple things. Number one, you're forecasting sales. Number two, you're forecasting the revenue derived from those sales. Number three, you typically have some form of a hiring map. Let's say, okay, you, you now get $5 million. Well, what are you going to do with it? What does your allocation model look like? Who are you going to hire? When are you going to hire them? What triggers that hiring? What are the inflection points you need to see to be able to then leverage the capital you now have? Because what they don't want to see is you just showing up with no plan, and then they're not going to give you money because for all they know, you might have the best intentions in mind, but if you can't show them where the money's going, why it's going there, why you need to invest half a million dollars into technology for version two of your product, why you need to invest in an infrastructure for the accounting team because maybe you have a SaaS product and you have now hundreds of clients, so you need customer, you need customer service management, you need a collections team, you need all of these things. All of these things that are ultimately going to invest to drive the profits of the business, to scale the business, but you have to be able to show that on paper. So being able to kind of consolidate, not just the vision of the founder and what's being realized by the operation sales and marketing team, but you need to show this is what the profit and loss is gonna look like month over month over the next three to five years. And this is how it impacts the balance sheet. And this is how it impacts the cash flow statement. And this is what a hiring model looks like. And altogether, this 
very clear and concise, although scenario-driven. We all know it's a forecast. There's no guarantee. Yeah, crystal balls are cloudy, as yeah, I like to say. Absolutely. I always like to develop these models um, in a, what I call, you know, kind of a, a bull, a bear, and an average. What does it look like? So you can kind of toggle between. So an investor, if they're on the fence, they can say, well, what happens if worst case scenario, et cetera, et cetera. But by doing this, you're piecing together a pro forma. And that pro forma not only helps you raise capital by painting that clear financial picture and the forecast to investors, but it also allows you to manage your own team internally because now you know how the pieces come together and you know what you're supposed to do with that cash. Otherwise, it's a wild west. Yeah, it's a, it's a living document. It should be a living document. It, it's, your, it's your roadmap. It's, it's your path to your future, and it's so important to do that. And one of the things that you mentioned there was uh, the, the ability to either raise capital, get funded, or maybe, you didn't say this, but I'll put words in your mouth, perhaps even get better terms. Because when I talk to my clients on the, on the valuation side of the house in talking about why a forecast really matters, these are things, everything we've talked about to this point helps to de-risk the business. The more together you are as a company, the more you look like you're bigger than you are because you've got the professional standards and practices in place, the more comfort an investor or a buyer is going to have with you. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, you, you, you nailed it on the head. De-risk is, is really important. If you are raising your first $5 million or maybe you're at a Series B or C and you're raising 50 or $100 million, um, it doesn't change the fact that you're a risk to those investors. You're a risk to that private equity firm, that venture capital firm, that, that family office. Um, so de-risking by demonstrating that you have thought about as an organization, you have taken the time to understand your history in numbers, your current present day in numbers, and your future in numbers, at least tells them, even if it's on the EQ side of the fence, regardless of what the numbers say, it tells them that you are thoughtful, you are planning out the potential avenues that this business can go. We know that there are going to be pitfalls. We know that things are going to happen that are unplanned, but this is how we're going to prepare for that. And that inherently, that entire process is, is a de-risk lever so that you can secure that, that potential investor. Yeah, well said, man. Um, I want to talk to you about the relationship between CFO and CEO. Sure. That, that is such a crucial relationship. There's got to be uh, absolute trust in a CFO as the financial steward of the business. Um, I had a guest on the program here not too long ago. We were talking about it in the green room mm -hmm. uh, where he wrote a book about, is my CEO a psychopath? Yeah. And there, there are all kinds of personalities for C C CEOs. Um, let me just leave it at that and ask you uh, to articulate the importance of having a good relationship, that working relationship between CEO, CFO, and the importance of the trust in that dynamic. I, I love this topic. It, it comes up a lot, and it's more important than people can imagine. So uh, I don't remember if it was this guest or, or one of your other guests recently. Um, something that I heard was uh, the relationship with the CEO is important for two reasons. Um, one is I'm stealing, the other is from my own experience. The one I'm stealing is you need to know what it is that they want from you. There have been many times in my early career where I do things a certain way, I report a certain way, I think that certain metrics are important, and then you start delivering those to the CEO or the board, and it all may be right, but it's not how they want to digest information. It's not what they want to see. And you can waste so much time putting together these comprehensive reports when maybe all your CEO wants 
is a dashboard with a couple headlines and boilerplates, and they want all the financial decisions to be rest of you. They want you to tell them what to do within that side of the house so that they can be focused on other things. So the first piece, you need to have a good, strong understanding of what it is that the CEO hired you for. What is it that he or she wants to see and be delivered by you to them on a weekly, monthly, bi-monthly cadence so that you're not wasting any time and you're not wasting his or her time. Very important. The second piece of this, from my own experience, uh, I, I mentioned this quote to you uh, when we were in, in the green room where you know, my dad, tenured CFO and executive director, you know, what really got me interested in doing this type of work, he always used to say to me, 50% of your job as a CFO is you're a therapist. And I never could have imagined how right he was. So to your point, these people that are leading these companies, we, we all know that they're under a ton of pressure. They might have families, maybe they don't on the side, but they live and breathe what it is that they're building. The company is in their DNA, and what they're focused on is growth. Well, that's great, but a CFO is responsible for not just finance and accounting, but they're also uh, responsible for human capital management, compliance, IT. A lot of these things fall under the CFO umbrella, so you need to be able to protect and make sure that today, the company is compliant. Are you filing on time? Are your payroll taxes? You know, th there can't be any skeletons in the closet. Otherwise, when your CEO finally gets that incredible inflection point, it all comes out and the company gets shut down and you didn't do your job. So again, these CEOs, they are so good at what they do, but it's very easy for them to ignore a lot of these back office responsibilities. And that's why we're here. It's okay. As long as you have that relationship, you know what you're responsible for, they know what they're responsible for, and you can work together as a team collectively, you guys are going to kill it. Because if you guys have that understanding and you know who's doing what and he or she trusts you to deliver on this side of the house so they can deliver on theirs, there's really nothing that you can't accomplish. So again, whether they want strictly FP&A from you, whether they want you to build out an entire accounting and controllership infrastructure, handle all the investor reporting, handle all the financial statement and tax filing, they want you to run the audits, they want you to build the HR department, they want you to create all of these different things, regardless of what it is that they want, my firm, we can handle that. But you need to have that communication early on with the CEO because you gotta be aligned, otherwise yeah. it's for naught. Chris, uh, business owners who are interested in working with you or want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? LinkedIn uh, is easiest. That's Chris O'Brien, O'Brien with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N. And also feel free to email me at Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot O'Brien, O-B-R-I-A-N one five at gmail.com. Chris, there, I've got so many more things I want to talk to you about, but we have so little time. We are down to the short strokes here, just a couple of minutes to go. So I want to give you the final word here as you're talking to business owners, entrepreneurs out there to, to maybe address either some of the common blind spots that you've seen or maybe offer just some advice, uh, generally speaking, in terms of how people can better operate their businesses from a financial perspective. I can't emphasize enough how important cash is, really. A CFO's job is to manage cash. And I don't just mean I need to know what's coming in and out of the bank account. There are so many pitfalls every single day that happens with the business. I've come into businesses with $200,000 in payroll tax debt that the founder didn't even know about until I got there and I started digging up and asking some questions. Uh, there, there are some businesses that have reported millions of dollars in revenue, but they're only collecting 30% of their AR. Why is that? What's going on? So again, 
As a CFO, the best thing you can do is have a handle on how all the functions of a business really work together. Have a well-rounded understanding of how all this connects together because your job is to think about tomorrow. You need to make sure that if you have an 18-month budget, how do you turn it into 24 months? Because something on the tech side is going to happen. Something's going to break. Something's going to happen. A team member's going to jump ship, and it's going to create a problem. And if you haven't prepared the company financially to survive those pitfalls, I can go through a list of horror stories where you will get taken advantage of when it comes to cap table time and you're looking at investors down the barrel and they go, sorry, we don't care what happened before. You need our money, so we're going to own 40% of this cap table. Or if you're going to a private equity firm and they come in and they issue you a do not compete or a do not shop this deal and then they, understand, they, they get your financial statements and they can see that you're working capital, wow, they only have four months left to live. They've got this great history, but all we have to do is bleed out diligence and then they're going to take whatever we offer them. If you're not in a position to hedge this by understanding cash today, you will fail. Um, and that's really what it is that O'Brien CFO Consulting can bring to the table and all CFOs do for companies. So I think that's really important. Great point about being uh, operating from a position of strength. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Appreciate Happy you having me here. here. Thank you. And we've been talking about why you, as a small business, uh, can benefit from having a CFO, even if it's an outsourced CFO, bring that financial discipline to your business and uh, look like the big boys and get the benefits as a result. Uh, and we've been having that conversation with Chris O'Brien, who's the founder of O'Brien CFO Consulting. Uh, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. So if you're a business owner who's enjoyed this program and you don't know what your business is worth, we should have a conversation. You can find me on LinkedIn. I want to thank the Big Cheese for running the board today, and also I want to thank you, our audience. We can't do the show without you. Really appreciate your supporting this program. That's all we have for today, folks. We will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.